0: Afterward From Toxic Masculinity to Peaceful Communities by Sarah Wengerschenk What an achievement! This chorus of male voices represents, in my mind, a breakthrough moment for Mennonite men in particular, provoking an urgently needed conversation about what it takes to form and be peaceful men. At times I wept with the beauty, vulnerability, and honesty of the stories shared. Several chapters felt lacking or a bit overdone, with a lot of variance in the depth and style with which the writers addressed a given topic. But it is a rare and precious gift to have the opportunity to listen to so many diverse and yet ultimately harmonious voices describing their experience of what it's like to grow up as boys in North America. The breakthrough moments in their personal journeys and their call to us all to attend to the intentional communal formation required to nurture healthy masculinity. The stories describe a toxic masculinity that prevails in varied, crippling ways in the diverse ethnic communities represented. Yet each chapter describes relationships and insights that show the way toward liberation, integration of heart and mind, restored generational love within families, and the embrace of a wholehearted humanness as men and women together. And what is perhaps most exhilarating is that despite the vast array of different culturally constructed masculinities and social locations described by the authors, there is a swelling resonance that gathers force throughout the chapters as the attractiveness of healthy masculinity comes into clearer focus and finds deep-rooting in rich communitarian, spiritual, and theological soil. Most mornings, I receive an electronic newsletter entitled Higher Ed Hot Topics. It addresses all sorts of live topics on college and university campuses. This week, one arrived entitled Masculinity crisis. It began thus College men are in crisis due to a lack of positive male role models, declining academic success, poor conduct, social media attacks, and stereotyping. To overcome those obstacles, ensure your institution provides strategies and programs that make men feel valued, safe, a sense of belonging and supported through their educational experience. While all identities, male and female, are socially constructed, from study I've done over the years, I've long assumed that male identities, particularly men's involvement as fathers in the lives of children and partners in parenting, are relatively fragile and require in general, more cultural reinforcement than do female roles. There is the elemental reality that women's bodies are designed to bear and suckle children, which gives women a biologically rooted, meaning, and tangible function in life that men lack. The father-child bond is more physically removed and less obvious. The father-involved family is an achievement of culture and requires mentoring, encouragement, and cultural reinforcement. If masculinity and ways of embodying maleness are socially constructed, as said in these chapters, and the peace-filled, empowering presence of fathers with their partners, children, and communities requires cultural reinforcement, then the absence of intentional formation of healthy masculinity in our congregations, schools, and families is devastating. And that devastation is evident on every hand. Why have we let this happen? Why does even talking about these topics tend to set off landmines? This is far too complex a social reality to get into with any adequacy here. But given the overwhelming toxicity of so much of North American assumptions about maleness and how women and people of color in particular have experienced the oppressive and systemic burden of domineering white men, we must learn to talk about it respectfully and openly. We must learn to talk about what healthy maleness looks like in our congregational, academic, and community discourse. Descriptions of systemic problems associated with patriarchy and male-dominated institutions abound in our educated circles. Systemic analyses of power provide important lenses for critical analysis, self-awareness, and reform. Yet, sweeping condemnations of male leadership and men in general don't name the heart of the matter, in my view, and too often leave us... Impoverished and weakened as communities of real people. Rather than a simplistic tendency to stereotype maleness itself as the problem, how might we as communities of faith become more intentional with what is required to form peaceful men? How might we love men and invite them to do their personal work and practice life giving ways of being male? in partnership with women. I deeply appreciated the acknowledgment by David Evans of the deep inner misery of men, and the bell hooks observation he notes that to create loving men we must love males. This isn't about loving men for living up to what Hooks calls sexist-defined notions of male identity. It is all about helping men see, as Hugo Suacido and other authors in this book describe so powerfully, that whatever culturally defined notions of male dominance or control are prominent in a particular community, they become a prison that traps men in crippling ways. With the difficult work of recovery over many years, restoration is possible. As beautifully described by Harry LaFond, restoration of the life-giving identity of the father role and the knowledge that being a father is precious, with gifts and responsibilities from the Creator to ensure the well-being of generations to follow. It is urgent that we learn to talk with each other about what it means to be healthy humans as men and as women not pushing and shoving and counter-oppressive moves. We must find persuasive, loving ways to intrigue men to pursue spiritual insight and bring to voice their questions, longings, and experiences of God in nature, at work, in families. We must model how to reflect out loud and with each other to make sense of the ways God is at work in the world to show each other how to make down-to-earth theological sense of the meaning of life. We must urgently work to create spaces for brave, honest, hard, and liberating conversations to happen. I appreciate the repeated acknowledgment in these chapters of how women have helped to show the way toward a more fully human, loving, empowering, and emotionally attuned way of partnering as men and women. As a woman, I am deeply grateful for many male partners and colleagues I live and work with who are peaceful at heart have done their inner spiritual work and embody a diversity of masculinities that exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Above all, I love the way Jesus exemplified maleness. After his prolonged, stinging rebuke of the religious leaders, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, he speaks with powerful love for those he has just denounced. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Matthew 23, 37-38 Is there any more tender image in all of scripture? I give thanks for this volume, hoping it makes us all men and women more willing to do what personal and spiritually grounded group work we need to do to better prepare for wholehearted partnership so we will all, as John Powell writes, more fully discover our role in creating safe, humane, and peaceful communities. You've been listening to Peaceful at Heart, Anabaptist Reflections on Healthy Masculinity, edited by Don Newfeld and Steve Thomas, as read by Cedric Martin. Resource Publications, Eugene, Oregon. Copyright 2019 Don Newfeld. All rights reserved.